Hey, what up, Long Beach? Welcome back to the only podcast that covers our local schools, their sports teams, and our community at large. Happy winter sports season, everybody. We're going to be talking basketball, soccer, water polo, and wrestling today as we get into the second sports season of this 2021-2022 athletic calendar. Mike, it's real seasons. We got a whole schedule set up for ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, we're fired up. But obviously, we wouldn't be able to be doing any of this without the Long Beach Post. They are the partners that bring you What Up Long Beach, this podcast, as well as Naples Rib Company, our longtime title sponsors of all of the sports coverage we've been doing. They've been with us for more than 10 years. The weather's getting chilly, but if you're like me, that doesn't mean you want less barbecue. It means you want more of that delicious Naples Rib Company in your life. Get your garlic mash, get your ribs, Get your sausages. Uh, they are serving Naples Rib Company at Long Beach State men's basketball games now, which is a, a real delight for me personally, and will probably increase the number of games I come sit and heckle JJ while he's covering Long Beach State. So get your Naples Rib Company and tell him Mike and JJ second. Mike, you're also working on some education stuff for the Post right now. You're doing a story on all-day kindergarten. That affects a lot more families than I think the average Long Beach resident realizes, right? Um, Yeah, you know, it's been uh, half-day kindergarten in uh, the LBUSD for for quite a while, and uh, they're sort of exploring the possibility of it going to a full-day model. Um, I think the writing is kind of on the wall because the state legislature passed a bill um, that is going to mandate that school districts offer full-day pre-K And so I don't think it's going to make much sense, you know, going forward for you to drop your five-year-old off for a full day of pre-K and then drop your six-year-old off for a half day of kindergarten and then drop your seven-year-old off for a full day of first grade. (laughs) So uh, a lot of moving pieces involved in that, a lot of parent advocates and uh, people in the school district working on it, Um, but definitely has been a big one to kind of try and wrap my head around over the last uh, month or so. It's a really good point about how different families with different aged children have to deal with this stuff in completely different realms. I was thinking while you were explaining uh, that to me earlier today, do you remember being in kindergarten? If you thought if you close your eyes right now, could you like visualize what your kindergarten classroom looked like? So um, this is sort of odd, but uh, Vincent and Maya went to the same preschool that I did. And so um, the, the, I did kindergarten there as well. I went straight into first grade um, from my preschool. And so, yes, because the nap room is more or less exactly the same. And so the first time I dropped them off, it was like getting hit in the middle of the forehead with a sledgehammer, JJ. I like walked in the door and it was like all the blinds were drawn. You know, it, it, it's in a, uh, they don't go to school there anymore. So I guess I could just say, it's uh, the Marina Montessori school at like Lakewood and Willow. And it's in an old church. It was built as a church, and so the nap room is what used to be the what would you, what would you call it, the sanctuary, or yeah, you know the, yeah. the actual church room. And so, but there's these big blinds drawn over the windows, and so you walk in there, and it just you know felt like another world. And yeah, the first time I dropped my kids off, it was really like, what is going on here? Did it look incredibly small compared to how big it felt when you were younger? Yeah, for sure. And I think about that all the time because where we work at Long Beach State, when we cover games there, you know, the pyramid is across the street from Mini Gant, which is where I went to elementary school. And there's a strip of grass that's like 10 yards wide there or something that when I was in first grade, I thought was a forest. You know what I mean? (laughs) 
I thought like, seriously, it was like, we would play like Robin hood or whatever. And we thought it was like a full force and you look at it. It's like, Oh, it's a strip of grass with three trees on it. Right. Have you, have you had that experience? You don't, you, you don't uh, live quite so close to home as to where you grew up. Have you had that experience? No, but when I go back to the place where I grew up, it is uh, shocking and jarring because it's grown so much. It's so different that nothing is actually recognizable. So it's the opposite. Right. Everything I thought looked a certain way doesn't look that way anymore because it literally doesn't look that way anymore. It's not just yes. me. <laughs> yes, for sure. Uh, uh, speaking of things looking the way that they used to look, we're finally back to a full winter schedule for basketball, soccer, wrestling, and water polo. As I mentioned, first time in a long time, obviously, these sports got a chance to compete during the spring, but they were short schedules, they were league schedules. For all the coaches we talked to, I think a very uh, consistent theme through all those conversations were everybody's just really excited to be back where they had a preseason, a buildup to a season that they knew was going to happen. They hope will be a certain length of time and they can actually build their team to peak in the playoffs where we might have some interesting matchups, Mike. Look, we've talked about this since the, the new playoff model came in. We're just going to have to look at the end of every year and see where teams fall. Because if you look at these CIF rankings, JJ, you're seeing teams that you would not ever see before. And I'm not saying that in any way, shape, or form as an insult to these teams. But let me give you an example. The Milliken Girls Water Polo Team is number one in Division Three. The Poly Girls Water Polo Team is number seven in Division Three. Have we ever seen either of those teams playing in CIF semifinals or championships? Not at all. <laughs> it's just like the, you know, the, the run that the poly tennis and boys water polo teams had to win a championship in the fall. Um, it, it, it all comes down to how you time the ups and downs of the competitive equity cycle. If you're down in division, but you're starting to come up in talent, you're going to have a chance to do something. Let me give you another example. The Lakewood boys soccer team is number one in division two, JJ. Is the Lakewood boys soccer team a team that you were expecting at any point over the last decade to be covering in a CIF championship? They've been a good program, but they've been a good fifth, fourth or fifth, maybe sixth program in the Moore League. So to see these teams get these chances is definitely energizing and exciting. I know it was a big motivation for that Poly boys water polo team. They saw those rankings early last year, and I think it kind of lit a fire under them, to be honest with you, that was like, hey, this is not a normal season, you know, we have a chance to do something different here. And so I hope it does that for these, uh, these other programs that we're talking about in the winter as well. Yeah, and we just got to keep talking differently about these playoffs. It's all kind of a luck of the draw situation. And I'm sure the deeper we get into the playoffs, changing the way people schedule, we'll see teams jockeying for position in divisions. But, you know, you've got a team that might be at the top of a division. Well, they're literally a handful of teams away from being on the bottom of the division that's on top of them right you know and one, I, mean? Well, I mean lakewood boys soccer is a great example if they're one spot higher they're the, the last team in division one right <laughs> right yeah so that that's just that's just really interesting and kind of luck of the draw but i see that developing more as these teams and programs develop more into the playoff schedule something we talked a lot about when we were talking about football, but let's dive right into it. Let's talk about a little bit of uh, boys basketball, Mike. The spring season was incredibly exciting with, uh, with Compton and Polly battling for the more league title. I feel like Compton and Polly though, now in completely different spots with everybody kind of behind them in the chase pack. Would you agree? 
Yeah, I think that's how it looks. I think Lakewood looks really strong um, as we expected them to. And I think those Compton Lakewood games are going to be really good. Um, we did. I did also just find out last night that Christian Watson at Poly, who would have been my overwhelming pick for more league player of the year preseason, uh, went down in their first game with a pretty serious ankle injury. Um, so he is going to be out for the foreseeable future. I don't know uh, what the severity of that injury is or when he'll be back. That would change things up pretty significantly um as far as Polly's separation i think from the rest of the league because i think without him you're probably looking at a freshman as their leading scorer in giovanni ruff um and compton obviously has got some veteran um skill and leadership with malachi scott um but i really like lakewood's guards i think chris willis is poised to have a, a really big breakout year um and then you know chris francis has got it going at jordan they're starting to get those scrappy gut them out wins. They won three games in a row at the Bellflower Tournament. Um, this is a team that I believe won two games all of last season. Uh, they got to go on a three-game winning streak. And I know Curtis Boyer likes his group at, uh, at uh, Milliken, you know, a lot better this year. I think Wilson is definitely coming along, um, you know, and they got a big transfer in as well. But they've, they've dealt with some injuries early as well. Um, Cabrillo, Kyle's Hawkins got them some early success again this year as he did last year. And then with St. Anthony, you know, I think they're going to be a really interesting team because I think they've got two great players in Elijah Price and Jaden Bush. And after that, you know, it's going to be, um, we're going to, we're going to see, but we do have a St. Anthony poly game scheduled for Friday at five 30 at Bosco in that tournament. Um, they both lost their second round game. So it's, you know, they're playing for fifth place or something like that. Um, and Polly won't have, uh, won't have CWAT, but I, you know, those are to me, probably the two best teams I would guess in the city. So I think that ends up being a fun one. Um, looking throughout the rankings, kind of what you would expect to see Polly number six in, uh, in two double a, um, and you know, other teams are going to have a chance to move up in their divisions. Cause the more league obviously has kind of slid down in recent years, uh, in these basketball divisions. Um, but, uh, I think the Jackrabbits, I think we're the only team that was ranked in the first, these first actual rankings that came out. Um, so we'll just, we'll, we'll kind of see how everything else shakes out and we'll wait on the injury news. The more league schedule going to get started on Monday. That's December 13th. That's this coming Monday. They're also going to be playing on Wednesday, but I love the Compton Jordan Monday league opener. I think that's going to tell us a lot about both of those teams. You also got Lakewood and Milliken playing their battle of the blueprint rivalry and Polly and Wilson playing the classic quote unquote oldest rivalry in long beach game. But I love that Compton Jordan game as the opener, Mike, that's going to be awesome at Jordan. Yeah. I think uh, anytime you get uh, Chris Francis, who's like Mr. Compton, um, you know, taking on that Compton team. That's oh, Tyler would disagree with the Mr. Compton <laughs> moniker. <laughs> you know, if Tyler wants to go head to head with Chris Francis for the title of Mr. Compton, I will be there to film that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to pass the sticks. Um, it, is, it, is, it, is, it is what it is, but uh, no, I think that'll be a really big energy game. And um it's kind of weird to be honest with you, you and I have discussed this, but in order to not be playing Monday, Wednesday, Friday for a month leading up to the playoffs, they do this kind of hangnail week where we get two days, Monday and Wednesday of more league basketball next week. And then there's winter break. So they don't play any league games for two weeks. I, I don't know. I'd kind of rather just do it all after the break so that you feel like it's a season. The playing two games and then pausing thing is really weird to me. 
Um, but uh, but I'm looking forward to those games uh, for sure to see how they shake out. I think everybody would agree with you. I was at the More League Girls Soccer opener, Long Beach Poly hosting Wilson last week or earlier this week. And, uh, and yeah, it just felt really early in the season. And when only a handful of games really matter in that league, it's tough to say, oh, well, one of the four that count have already over, and it's really going to have a huge effect on the rest of the year. And we're going to have to play it literally a month before the third game you play in your league schedule. So, yeah, I think that's a, I think that is a, a very more league centric thing. You would have to play a lot of games per week if you did bump it back after January, though. Like more league boys soccer, they only play one week of league play here in December. But then they have two weeks in January where they're playing three games per week. That's a lot of games in a week. Yeah, and no, and I don't disagree with that. I think my solution is just something that would cost money, which is why it won't happen, which is just play the week between Christmas and New Year. Uh, you know, the, 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 the basketball teams tend to get locked into holiday tournaments anyways. Like, what's the problem playing on the 28th and 30th? Except yeah. that all the school district's employees get those two weeks off. And so I think you'd have to – I think there's probably overtime costs for – for putting, you know, staff assistance at the game or something like that. But that's kind of my solution is it's like the school district runs the league and does the schedule. So there's this shutdown of two weeks, but, um, but the kids are playing basketball anyway. <laughs> so you know what I mean? So like the two week dead period for the league, when the kids are probably going to be suiting up and playing anyway is, you know, it's not, not really necessary in my opinion. Um, but also it's a seven team league. It's a bigger league. And so there's, there's challenges around how you do that. I think you could make a really good case for girls soccer, especially um, of does every team need to play every team twice? Could you just put the top four teams in a flight and make a schedule that is a little bit more competitive and makes a little bit more sense for preparing teams for division one and two. And could you put the bottom three teams in another flight? You know, I mean, I, I, those are sort of harder questions to ask. Yeah, because then you're kind of messing with how many teams are going to automatically qualify from your quote-unquote league into the CIF. Like, for example, the boys, seven teams, four automatic qualifiers. Compton's on the bubble. They had to forfeit games in the spring because they didn't have enough players. If Compton can't field a team, that means one less program, a deserving program in more league boys soccer, which is very good. We'll talk about it in a minute. A deserving program wouldn't be able to get that automatic qualifier just because they didn't play Compton twice. Well, no, that's not true. You don't have to play them twice. You have to have seven teams field a season. And so, and so I guess that's actually kind of my point. Like we talked about this with Cabrillo football last year, Cabrillo football did not play Long Beach Poly last year. Right. That didn't affect anything about the league. Cabrillo played enough games for there to be seven, seven teams. And thus, you know, the, the more league got three automatic entries into the playoffs. It's four for the other sports. Um, That's why we're talking about different numbers. Um, But Literally, the league, it's it, the process is like this. It's kind of like American democracy, JJ. You feel like you elect a president and then the president is elected, right? But as we found out in, in 2020, it's actually that Congress has to certify it. All these state legislatures have to certify all this stuff. So similarly with, with soccer, you know, what has to happen is the league has to have seven viable teams. So they have to have played games. For the CIF to say, okay, you get four playoff teams and you and I see the standings and obviously one, two, three, four go to the playoffs, but that is actually not the CIF really just takes a card from the more league that says, here's our one seed. 
here's our two seed, here's our right. three seed, here's our four seed. So the league could say with water polo or girls soccer or sports where there's sort of a big disparity, hey, these teams are going to play each other twice and these teams are going to play each other twice, you know, and, and we're going to make it a little easier to schedule whatever. You're getting into some stuff that's not common and weird there. But that would um, be a lot of fun to cover the what would be like more league B, like the B, the B playoff bracket for yeah. the more league. If the winner of that got in. Oh, got in what? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, that like, would be interesting. Like if it's the NBA, so that the, the, the first few out of the playoff bubble get to play into it. That would right. be awesome. But like, wouldn't you like for seven ten rivalry stand up, dude? Right, but for but like for girls soccer, the games between Milliken and Polly and Wilson are so great. Like, wouldn't you rather those three teams play three times? Yeah, and then it's Lakewood and the you know Lakewood Cabrillo Compton Jordan, you know, playing and that like I just I I I think again it's difficult and it's hard to say because how do you track when a team rises up into a different flow, right? It's, it's hard to do yeah. that stuff, but as the CIF has gotten more creative on the way they do postseasons and, and divisions, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's, it's worth taking a look at some of those things. Like because the, as we saw in the football playoffs, teams that finish in the bottom part of the more league can go to lower divisions and beat teams. Long Beach is still fast, I think, is what came out of the football playoffs that we covered. Like, those teams down there in Division 10, 11, and 12, they, they're not used to the Long Beach athleticism and skill and community support and, you know, just overall swag that Long Beach brings to the playoffs. So I think that more Long Beach teams in the lower divisions would ultimately beget more CIF championship coverage from your boys. Yeah, I, I, I totally, totally agree with you. Um, talking about girls basketball, which gets going on that same schedule, um, you know, teams off to uh, kind of middling starts. We knew this was kind of going to be a down year for girls basketball, and it, it does look like that's the case. Um, I would point out that Polly Wilson game that JJ mentioned the boys are going to play. That girls game is enormously significant um, because Polly is still going to be shorthanded without a sit-out period transfer Crystal Caldwell, who I think will end up being one of the better players in the league this year. Um, but they're asking young kids to do a lot of scoring without her in, and they are going to play Wilson and defensive specialist Sidney Ross without Caldwell. Um, so I think that Polly Wilson game is going to end up being very interesting uh, in terms of how the league shakes out. Yeah, um, Wilson starting the uh, the DJ Vincent era, uh, yes. an, an alum from Wilson taking over the head coaching duties there. You know, really relying a lot on a girl like Sydney Ross to, uh, to lead this team that he obviously doesn't know very well because they just, uh, just met each other <laughs> this very right. year. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you're right. They, they are looking at that game as a big one. However, Vincent very interestingly talks to me about how he doesn't think it's a rivalry. You know, his version of a rivalry, his definition of a rivalry is something that goes back and forth. Uh, he said, quote, our goal should never to just B to beat Polly. A rivalry starts when teams go back and forth. So until we change it, it's not really a rivalry. Our goal should be to beat everybody we face, or at least try to, end quote. I really like that quote because because uh, I think that it's right. I think he's absolutely correct. Rivalries are more even than just one team beating the other team. And just because the other team sometimes finishes in second doesn't really make it a rivalry. But boy, oh boy, would it immediately become a rivalry if the Wilson Bruins pull off this upset. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. Well, so think about think about it like this. And I've had Polly people um, kind of razz me for, for giving um, so much attention to the Polly Milliken girls basketball rivalry. 
And that calling it a rivalry is based on Milliken winning 13 years ago in 2008. Right. right. But that was the last time Polly lost on the court in the Moore league. And similar to the Polly football program, Look, I talked to all the coaches and players at the other schools. If they want to say that Polly does not loom large in their consciousness, they are lying. That is who, you know, they ask me about Polly. They talk about beating Polly. Um, they ask me whether I think they can beat Polly. Like that happens every year. It's the um, same thing with the uh, water polo and Wilson. Everybody who talks yeah. about water polo is asking what Wilson looks like this year. It has nothing to do with the school. It has to do with this, the, the repetitive finish in the standings a million percent. Right. Um, and, and so, yeah, no, I, I think that's, I, I think that's right. But I do also think, um, it's a, di- it's a difficult balance as a coach and you and I have both seen coaches, handle this the right way of you have to recognize it's like before you play a CIF championship, every coach and every kid you talk to is going to say, it's just another game. And to an extent you do have to approach it that way. Right. If you get too, then you're going to, you're going to mess up. You're going to press, you're going to try too hard, whatever else. But if you don't also accept the, that it is different than another game, I think you also can mess up in the other direction because right. you know that that other team is going to come out with a greater intensity, et cetera. And so I, I, I think there's a middle path there, but I think, uh, as you mentioned, DJ Vincent called it perfectly, which is you'd prepare to win every game. You recognize that a game against a team that's won the league championship, however many years in a row, is going to be a really big game. But you also, and Mark Ziegenhagen figured this out perfectly at, at Wilson as the football coach, um, you don't build it up so big that if you lose the game, your kids collapse and they go, oh, the documentary ended in a loss. Do you know what I mean? You, 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 you make it so that if you lose the game, okay, we're trying to win every game. We tried to win on Tuesday. We didn't win. We're trying to win on Thursday. And I, I think that that's really important because in this competitive equity model, for every sport, I mean, look at the Poly Boys water polo team. They did not beat Wilson. They did not come close to beating Wilson this year, but they win a CIF championship because they didn't lose to Wilson and go, oh, the season was a failure. It's all about the, the Poly girls tennis team was not the Morley champion. So I, it's all about managing that, you know, back and forth. There is going to be a lot of back and forth in Long Beach boys soccer this year. It's elite. Mike, it's, it's fair to say that it is elite at this point. The Moore League is one of only a handful of CIF Southern Section leagues that have all of its teams in Division Three or higher. So you've got Wilson, Milliken, and Cabrillo. They're all in Division One. Polly, Jordan, and Lakewood, they're in Division Two, as we mentioned, Lakewood at the top of Division Two, And even Compton, a team that's struggling to field a squad, is in Division Three because of its success. So of the over 70 leagues in the CIF Southern section, the Moore league and the mission league are the only ones with all seven teams that they have in their league in division three or above. So it's going to be really exciting good with stat, these teams. Good stat work, JJ. Yeah. It's, it's going to be really exciting with these teams battling it out. I don't think that it's going to be one of those things where we're like, well, Here's the fourth day of league play. We know exactly which game we're going to be at. I, I really don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be based on this first day. So check out this first day. You've got classic powerhouse Milliken taking on Wilson. You've got the defending two, two-time defending champions, Polly, taking on Lakewood. And then you've got Compton and Jordan. So anything could happen on that first day that'll completely change the way we cover the rest of the week and also maybe even the rest of the season. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. I, I, you know, boys soccer has been by far, uh, boys soccer and baseball, I would say, have been by far our best league races. 
um, over the last couple of years, just because there's not a lot of sports in the league where the fourth place team can beat the first place team. The fifth place team could beat the second place team. Right. Um, and as we just mentioned that Lakewood boys soccer team has been on the outside looking in for a long time, but they're number one in division two. They're a really good team that's on the come up right now. So I'm, I'm excited. And yeah, it's going to be a lot of uh, quote unquote surprises. Um, but I think as you rightly say, if you're, if you're looking at the season correctly, you're not going to be surprised by much of anything. Yeah. And all these teams kind of have a, a different storyline, right? Milliken, you had a guy like Nene last year who just took over. Classic Milliken teams always have some guy named Chicken who's just like absolutely balling, right? You've got one dude. Well, now they've got a bunch of guys. You have to say Pueyo. I don't think you can say Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounded funnier, Mike. Did it not yeah, okay, sound funny? Okay. Okay. Got you. Right. Uh, and then Wilson's <laughs> super defensive. They have been, but now they've got Gavin Poole Harris back there in goal again. Uh, and he's one of the best in the state. And, you know, you probably, you got to know Marwarez. So, like, all of these different types of teams really developing into, like, when you see the, when you watch the EPL or you watch La Liga or whatever, these professional clubs, they have identities. I think the reason why Long Beach Boys soccer has become so successful so quickly is because these coaches are making identities for their programs, not just team to team. They're making identities for the programs year to year. You've got a guy like Schofield at Milliken who's taking over for our guy, Rod Pekovic. He's changing some stuff, for sure, changing some things, but that's still Milliken soccer. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's still the style. It's still the swag that it had under Rod here now under a new coach. So those styles, I think, being consistent and being hammered home is why We've got these teams so high up in these CIF divisions and having success in the playoffs in order to do so. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, I, you know, looking at the girls, it's, this, it's the same thing. I, I think what's interesting is there's this cycle because we're in the top two divisions of you go up to division one, it's pretty tough for you, right? Uh, you know, I, there's no, uh, no more league boys teams ranked in division one. There have been some results. Polly uh, had a scoreless draw with number five Cathedral in Division One. Um, when you look at the girls' side, the Millican girls' soccer team is ranked number four in Division One. Um, but in boys or girls, when a team cycles down, they lose in the first or second round a couple years in a row, and they cycle down to Division Two every time, right up to the top of the rankings. The Lakewood boys' team is number one. The Cabrillo boys' team is number five. Similarly, when you look at the girls' Division Two rankings. Um, Wilson girls soccer, which won a national championship in our coverage time, <laughs> you know, 14 years ago, a long time, but they've, they're national CIF champions in the times that we've been covering them. They're in division two. So guess what? They're number three in division two, because they get to compete in that division. So that's the churn that we're going to see. You go down to division two, you have a real good shot to go win a championship, you move up to division one. Okay. Now you're going to really go through some adversity unless you're like that Millican girls soccer team that's been able to really separate itself. But uh, yeah, it's, it, it, I, that cycle is a really interesting and new thing in high school sports, obviously. That season already got started on Tuesday. I mentioned earlier, Wilson and Polly, a late winner from Cameron Cruz in the 78th minute lifted the Bruins to a victory over the Jackrabbits. Uh, like, like I said, it was early in the season. You could tell it was a little disjointed for sure, but aggressive, defensive, you know, the classic rivalry stuff in that match. So with Wilson beating Polly, Polly's got a tough schedule break for them this year because that three-time champion Milliken team is waiting for them on Tuesday. 
December 14th, Tuesday evening at Milliken. So Polly's got to play the other two top teams in the league in back-to-back weeks. If they were to lose to Milliken, it almost kind of sets up that Milliken-Wilson game, which is not until next year, as the championship. And it's crazy to think that we could have that situation come into the fold literally weeks after you started the whole entire season. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty weird, man. And it's, it's like, it's why I wish we could just say, if they're not going to break the league in half, like we talked about, maybe we could schedule the top half against the bottom half in the pre, in the pre winter breaks section, right? The, the games where you know what's going to happen so that everyone has a chance to get going and be a little bit healthier and more connected when the really important games are started. Cause yeah, you're absolutely right. January 4th. That's when that Wilson Milliken game is. So that is one, <laughs> two, three, four, the fifth, the fifth match day of Morley girls soccer. If Milliken beats Polly and then beats Wilson, it's like, Oh, all right. Milliken's the champion. <laughs> yeah, that, is, that is crazy. That is absolutely crazy. And a lot of the times in classically in soccer, you want to catch good teams early because maybe their club girls are, are, are coming back late. Maybe they don't have everybody healthy yet. Maybe they're just not clicking quite yet because all the great teams obviously peak during the playoffs. You want to try to catch teams early. Well, can't avoid them in the more league schedule. You, you're, you're, you're playing them early, whether you like it or not. Uh, but I think soccer is going to give us some incredible video highlights this year. So make sure you're checking out all of that stuff at the 562.org. We've also got water polo and wrestling, as we mentioned, uh, classic powerhouses in those leagues. You've obviously got Wilson girls water polo. It's the classic powerhouse there. Barry O'Day's got another stacked roster with a bunch of talent, but then you've also got the Millican boys wrestling team and the Millican girls wrestling team who have basically ran roughshod over the rest of the league for the last few years. Both of them had great playoff success in the uh, quote unquote truncated wrestling season that we had during the spring. So full season for those teams, for the first time in a long time. And I think that's going to help flush out the rest of the league a little bit. I know a lot of uh, teams and programs in more league wrestling are really excited to be back to a full season so they can start building up their numbers because they lost a lot of depth in their program because of the COVID-19 shutdowns and then kids not wanting to come back for that spring season. Yeah, I think wrestling, to be honest with you, I think wrestling is really in a difficult spot because it's one of the few sports where, um, quite frankly, the data suggests that there is a transmission problem, you know, of the virus in playing it. And so there's there's outbreak issues. And I do also think that there are parents who are a little bit more hesitant to put their kids back into wrestling than they would be for soccer or even other indoor sports that aren't quite so, you know, close contact like basketball or volleyball. Um, we do have a really good shot at some deep success as JJ was talking about that Millican boys wrestling team is ranked number two in division four to start the season. They've been clo- They've been on the cusp of winning another CAF championship for several years in a row. So they've got a good shot. That Millican girls team is ranked number eight. Um, and looking at water polo, I think that girls water polo is going to be very similar to boys water polo. I think we're looking at a potentially really historic season for Long Beach water polo because of the way these divisions shake out. The Wilson girls water polo team is in a four-way tie for seventh in division one. The top eight teams will go into the open division. So that Wilson team were the playoffs to start today could be the, one of the bottom two teams in division in the open division, or one of the top two teams in division one. 
So obviously a big split there on how that'll shake out. But when you also look at division three, as we mentioned earlier, the Milliken girls are ranked number one and the poly girls are ranked number seven. So again, some teams that we're not used to seeing success from with very realistic shots and going all the way to a championship uh, in the winter. And quite frankly, we love it. So <laughs> excited to get out there and see these teams. We have got the season previews for boys and girls basketball, boys and girls soccer, water polo, and wrestling coming up this week right now at the562.org. So if you want all the names, the schedules, the breakdowns, the quotes, the interviews, everything at the562.org right now to lace your boots, your cleats, your boots, your your Air Force Ones, your Jordans, whatever you your got. Your cap, your, uh, your wrestling yeah. and water polo caps. We're going to lace you lay up. <laughs> For the winter season right now because we're excited to start anew we're obviously going to have our year-end podcast coming up and then we'll have our what we're looking forward to podcast coming up as well so make sure you're uh following us at the 562.org thank you so much to the long beach post for everything they do to make this show possible and thank you long beach we will see you in the stands very soon